We went to a Christmas parade last night <clears throat> for Caleb's school was uh, they built a float and so we went to the parade and helped pass out candy and I woke up this morning and now I sound like this so <clears throat> there's what I get for trying to be festive in my holiday uh, season if you have your Bibles please open them to first Peter chapter 5 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7 this morning. Uh, read together here in just a moment, 6 through the end of the chapter and pray. <clears throat> Some of you might know, maybe, maybe not, but uh, I'm currently pursuing a uh, Ph.D. in New Testament studies. And First Peter is my area of emphasis. It's the letter that I'm working on. And it is a letter that is both complex and compelling. It has many nuances and unique features. But it's a letter that has so much to say about the Christian life and how we experience it. It's written to churches throughout Asia Minor that are undergoing persecution. And the persecution is often debated about how severe it is. But we know from reading the letter that it definitely involved Christians in Asia Minor being slandered. It definitely involved uh, faithful uh, servant Christians, slave Christians being beaten. It involved Christians being ridiculed for not participating in the local festivals and religious events of their day. It's a letter written to a group of struggling churches wanting them to persevere despite what the world and the culture might think of them. And at the end of the letter, Peter is drawing the letter to a conclusion and he, he says these words, verses 6 through the end, of the end of the letter. Let's read those. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same types of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered for a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Silvanus, a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm. 
She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for this group of believers who gather together to pray, Lord, to celebrate Holy Communion, to worship you in song, and Lord, to hear your word preached. Lord, I pray that you would um, be with my physical voice. May I speak clearly. May your words be heard clearly. Lord, may the words that you penned through your Apostle Peter 2,000 years ago, may they be powerful and effective in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter draws this letter of his to conclusion with a few <clears throat> words of wisdom wisdom sorry but also a few um, pillars or truths to continue to support to uh, build up the Christian faith and I think this is one of those uh, sentences, verses 6 and 7 are just one sentence in the original language, but it's one of those sentences that was written to a group of churches in a specific place at a specific time, but it was written for the church universal throughout all ages. What was true for its original audience is true for you and for I today. We may not be undergoing persecution to the point of losing our jobs or being barred from the marketplace. We may not be undergoing persecution even maybe to the point of death. But probably all of us here have experienced disappointment in life because we've chosen to follow Jesus and that's cost us friends. That's cost us social status. It's alienated us from our co-workers or even sometimes from our family. And I believe even if those things haven't happened, all of us, if we've lived long enough in this life, have experienced worry. All of us have experienced anxiety or heavy burdens. All of us have probably had a time in our life where we weren't sure which was going to end first, the money or the month. All of us have had times in our lives where we weren't sure if we could keep working at our place of employment. 
If you've had children, there's probably been numerous times in your life where you're not sure if you're going to make it because they're driving you crazy. Or because they don't sleep. This word that Peter has for us is a reminder that when life is difficult, when burdens are heavy, when worries and anxieties creep in and press down upon us, there is a God with a mighty hand who cares for us. So I want to bring four things to your attention this morning in this text. These two verses. The first is this. Number one, if you're taking notes or just want to frame this in your mind. The first thing that I want to draw to your attention from this text is this. That a proud Christian is an oxymoron. And what I mean by this. If we look at verse 5, right before verse 6, at the end of verse 5, Peter is quoting a proverb, and he says this. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You ever met someone... Now, I played sports growing up and played college baseball for a couple years, so I've met very many of these types. But so have, some of you have probably met some people who just seem to have an arrogance to them or a boastfulness to them that just turns you off a little bit. They seem to just think very highly of themselves. Maybe it's the way they dress. Maybe it's the way they look. Maybe it's the amount of money they have. Maybe it's the car they drive. Maybe it's the house they have. And maybe it's in some way justified boasting, but maybe it's not. But either way, all of us have met these certain type of people who think very highly of themselves. Proud people. Those who maybe are self-made men or women. And they look at all that they have and they say to themselves, I did this. I think in America, Christians, if we're not careful, can fall into this trap. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying that we shouldn't labor and try to build for us a good life. But we have to be very careful not to think, even if it is us that is working hard, even if it is us who is exerting the energy in the labor, we have to be very careful in our own lives and in the church to not say things like, I did that. Or even we did that. Especially in the local church, I've met pastors who pastor uh, large congregations and their church from the outside appears to have everything going right. It has a big budget, it has lots of people. 
the preacher gets speaking or gets invites to the, the big conferences, right? But in all that, we must be very careful to remember that it is God who does the heavy lifting. God resists those who are proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we look at our lives in Christ, we must be very careful not to say, I did that. And Peter reminds us of this at the very beginning of the letter. If you have your Bible open, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter opens the letter, after he greets the churches, he opens the letter with a blessing. And, and we won't get into all of this, but just, just look at the language of 1-3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom according to His great mercy has... In, Different translations translate this differently, but has given us new birth or caused us to be born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. For you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter begins by blessing God for what God has done. Don't miss that, dear church. If you are in Christ this morning... Make no mistake about it. You had to respond. But before you were able to respond to the gospel because of God's mercy and because of Him sending His Son, you were able to respond. It's God that is the initiator. It's not that we're passive, right? We believe, we respond, but it is God who gives the new birth. None of us, not you nor me, can cause ourselves to be born again. This is why Peter can't do anything else but start this letter with praising God. Because he knows in his heart that I'm not the one who is responsible for this. It is God. And so, in chapter 5, verse 5, when Peter says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, he's reminding the dear brothers and sisters in Asia Minor that you are in the position that you are in due 
to God's grace. Verse 6, he says, therefore, right, therefore, humble yourselves. Remain humble. Don't, don't, don't take on the form and the figure of your neighbors, right, who are proud and boastful. Don't, don't be conformed, as Paul says, to the ways of this world, but be transformed, Romans 12. Humble yourselves. Don't allow yourselves to become proud, to become arrogant. There is no such thing as a proud Christian in Peter's mind. Number two, second takeaway. <clears throat> Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Takeaway number two is just simply this. God has both the power to save and to protect. This, this phrase, the mighty hand of God, is found other places in Scripture. And it can mean, or it can be understood in really, I think, three ways. The mighty hand of God can, can be a reference of when the Old Testament writers are talking about God delivering His people from the hands of the Egyptians, right? The Exodus story. That God's arm was not too short to save. That through God's saving power, He delivered the Hebrew out of slavery from the Egyptians. It's also used in the Old Testament to remind God's people that the Lord is able to protect. He's able to sustain. And the mighty hand of the Lord is also used in the Old Testament to remind of God's judgment. That God is just. I think here the, the reference or kind of the context is a reminder that God is able to deliver and to protect His people. Remember the Christians in 1 Peter, they're being persecuted. They're being asked to suffer because of their faith. And if you suffer long enough because of who you are in Christ, there might be, and I think it would be very natural, and we could all understand this, that there would be questions about, well, well I, I, I responded to this message of good news. I gave my life to Christ and I'm following Him. And in spite of things getting better, which usually happens, right, when you hear good news, like, like you hear good news, you're thinking, oh, my life's going to get better. But the Christians in Asia Minor were experiencing the exact opposite of that. Because of their faith in and allegiance to Jesus, their life on the surface, right, was actually getting worse. Losing friends, losing family, being slandered for what they believe. Being ridiculed for their sexual ethics, being ridiculed for the way that they treat the disabled and the disenfranchised and the unborn. 
says they're blasphemed because they're not diving into the same flood of wild living. And you have to imagine that in all of this, right, they're thinking, what's going on? Is God actually able to do what he says he's able to do? And Peter reminds them, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God is able to both protect and to save. Takeaway number three. So how do we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand? I think we find that in verse 7. We'll come back to the end of verse 6. But we, but we find the, the way in which we humble ourselves is the very first half of verse 7. <clears throat> Peter says, cast all your care on him. Now, not to get too into the weeds, but this word here is... A, um, it's a participle in the original language, and it, it's a. I think it's a, a participle of means. You don't have to remember any of that. But what I mean by that, or what that means, is that it it defines the command, or, or it gives um, it, it gives the explanation of the command. Humble yourselves, right? How do you humble yourselves? This is the answer to that by casting all your cares on Him. And we think about that, like, well, how does that, how does me casting my cares on the Lord show that I'm humbling myself? And I think it's this. Much of our worry, much of our anxiety, much of our burdens in life come when we feel as though we are unable to control a situation. Right? If you're like me, if you're like me, I am most anxious, I am most worried when I am not able to control the outcome of something. One of the, I'm a fixer by nature, if that makes sense. Most men are, I think. One of the most difficult, uh, one of the most difficult internal struggles for me as we've journeyed, as our family has journeyed through Aaron A's cancer diagnosis is that I am unable to do anything about it. And that drives me insane, if that makes sense. Because for me, as, as, as the man of God that I want to be and as the protector of my house and as the provider for our family, I want to be able to, 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 to go, okay, I can fix this. And I can't. And that brings me a lot of anxiety. Does that make sense? And so maybe it's not a situation that, that's, that it's that dramatic. But maybe it is. Maybe it's even worse. But what Peter is saying here is you need to stop worrying about who's in control and who's not in control because God is in control. And so when we cast our cares onto God, we are showing 
to the world, to ourselves, to Him, that, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't even really like this. That's okay. It's okay to say, God, God, I don't like this. But here is my burdens. I'm understanding, Lord, that I can't do this on my own. I can't fix this. And here is my worries. This, in its original context, must have been very similar to how the original audience heard this, right? They're being burdened with slander, persecution. They're being burdened with losing relationships, losing jobs. Maybe even some of them to the point of losing their lives. And they can't do anything about it because it's not, it's not their fault. It's the outside world, how they're treating them, right? Again, they're out of, it's out of their control. They're just trying to be faithful. And God says to us, it's not in your control. It's all under my control, though. Therefore, cast your burdens on God can handle all of our cares. He can handle all of our worries. He can handle all of our anxieties. He can handle all of our burdens. So church, let Him. And if you're like me, if you're wired like I'm wired, that's a difficult task. That's a daily surrender of saying, Lord, I can't do this. So here it is. Here's my burdens. Here are my worries. The Lord can handle them all. I remember I was in a college Bible study years ago. And and a friend of ours, a, a young lady was there. And she was going through some things. She was thinking about switching majors. And she was thinking about, um, you know grad school and what she wanted to do with the rest of her life and when you're 18 19 20 years old you and you all of you kind of know this you know you think that the decisions that you make then are going to you know just that, that that nothing in life can be different than what it is in those moments and then you wait a decade and you're like oh that didn't even really matter But I remember we were at a Bible study and she was talking about, you know, we were like, well, have you have you prayed about this to the Lord? And she said, no, I didn't want to bother him with these things. And I remember that not setting well with me, but I didn't really have a good response for it. Right. Because logically it made sense. Like there's a lot of other things going on in the world. And maybe God does need to focus on those things rather than. You know, grad school decisions and changing your major. <laughs> but as I've grown, as I've grown and as I've read, read and studied Scripture and studied the Bible, it, it, it reminds me, I wish I could go back in that, that moment 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Gosh, I'm older than that. It was like 14 or 15 years ago. Um, and say, no, 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 listen. God cares about what you're going through. And God is so big. He is so powerful. He's God, right? He can take it all. God can care about the people in the war in Ukraine. 
And he can care about the homeless population in Tulsa all at the same time. And he can care about those two things. And he can also care about your marriage and about your children and about your work environment. All of those things God cares for simultaneously because he is God. And so, brothers and sisters, don't let the enemy... Don't let the enemy creep in and say things in your mind like, well, God doesn't really care about that. Or God, can, God doesn't have time for those things right now. Because as we humble ourselves under His mighty hand, we can and we must cast all our cares on Him. God can handle them all. So dear church, let Him. Finally, we'll end with this. And this was probably one of the biggest things. I've read and studied this verse. But this, this verse right here has just given me such comfort and, and also praise throughout the week. The end of verse 7. Peter says, in different translations translate it differently. But it, either way, it's, it's, it's the cause. It's the causal Reason why Peter can say this. And here's what he says, church. He says, because he cares for you. Literally in the Greek, you might translate it this way. He has concern towards you. Think about that. Just pause, close your eyes, quiet your hearts, do whatever you want to do. You can leave them open, but just, just take, take ten seconds to sit in silence and think about what Peter has just said to us. I was thinking about this verse as we were singing that song this morning, God of Wonders, one of my favorite songs, by the way. Right? God spoke the universe into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Paul reminds us in Romans that the God who calls things into existence that did not exist is the one who called Abraham. The writer of the psalm says that God is in the heavens and He is controlling and does whatever He pleases. The God of the universe, the creator of this world, the creator of the millions and billions of stars that surround and populate our galaxies. The one who sustains the universe with his very voice. Brothers and sisters, that God cares for you. He cares for you. And I don't know, I don't know why, but I just think that that is something that we need to be reminded of day after day. The creator of the universe cares for his beloved children. He cares for us. And so we humble ourselves 
And we trust that under His mighty hand, we are saved in Christ and we are protected for that great day. That proper time, as Peter says. God will exalt us. Glory's coming, right? But as he says at the end, but first we must suffer a little while. We cast our cares onto God. He can handle them. We humble ourselves. We, tell, we, we admit that we can't do this life on our own. And we cast our cares on the one who is ultimately in control. And all of this we do, church, because God cares for us. He cares for His children. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Lord, as we close our worship this morning, I pray that your spirit would dwell richly among us. I pray that our hearts would begin ever so slightly, but also increasingly, day after day, to be reminded of this precious truth. What a great and glorious truth that the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who delivered the Hebrews out of the hands of the Egyptians, the God who put on flesh and was born in a manger, The Son of God who went to the cross for our sins and was resurrected and ascended to your right hand where He rules and reigns forever in glory. God, you care for these people here this morning. You care for me. And so, Lord, I pray that we would, we would take that truth And every morning when we get up, as the week goes on, we would be reminded day after day, God, you care for us. Help us to know that. Help us to live lives from that truth and in light of that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.